0: Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon. This is the podcast where we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. In today's episode, I get to interview my agent, Dennis Troutman, over at Option Talent up here in Portland, Oregon. And so this is kind of a cool interview for a lot of the local market to kind of hear what it takes to become part of the Option family and what Dennis looks for in a uh, new talent um, to represent here in the Portland market, as well as giving advice to actors looking to move down to Los Angeles and or other markets and what they might want to think about before they do. So we met over at Bunks Sandwiches over at uh, off Water Avenue down in Southeast Portland. And it's actually across the way from uh, my agency anyway. So it was an easy just walk across the street for Dennis to kind of meet up with me. I'm really excited about this episode because I think it really gives an open window to um, what really goes on for an agency and what an agent has to do and how much work they have to do. And you kind of get a day in the life of what Dennis goes through. Anyway, before we get started, as always, you can go to freegearguide.com if you want to get a free resource guide of all this equipment that I use to make a feature film with no crew. Again, that's freegearguide.com. It's a simple gift for you. Enough of that, let's get on with this interview with Dennis Troutman on the Film Trooper Podcast.
0: I'll um, go like hours and hours and hours and I won't even realize it. Uh, and yeah, four hours later, oh shit, I haven't eaten in like five hours. Let's get,
1: what is a day in a life like of Dennis? Like what time you get in the office?
0: I'm at the office around nine o'clock. Well, um, but let me ask you, are you doing work prior to the office with your phone? So I have a home office and then we have the office office. And so a typical day for me is I'll get up and I'll wrestle with the dogs a little bit. One of them's a Labrador, so I have to wrestle him around a little bit. Pin him to the floor a couple times, let him out, feed him, get ready for work, and then check into the home office around about 8 o'clock and just put out any fires or if there's any start-of-the-day emergencies that I need to jump on right away. Um, And then I'll usually at some point around 8.30, 8.45, I'll disconnect for about 15 minutes, uh, drive to the office, and then just re-engage. And then from 9 o'clock on, I'm just going all day long. Um, I don't take a lunch break. Uh, I just kind of snack at my desk all day long. And then around 5, 6 o'clock, somewhere in the 6 o'clock hour, um, I'll realize that, you know, okay, I can disengage for about an hour, go home wrestle with Jonah, let him out to go to the bathroom, and then just plug right back into the home office. And then I'm usually going till about nine or 10 o'clock, excuse me, at night, unless there's something kind of big going. I mean, it's not uncommon for me to go till about 11, 12 o'clock as well. Conversely, there's also days where, you know, seven, eight o'clock, the day is pretty much wrapped up. And then I'll watch a few hours of the office or parks and recreation and then go to sleep.
1: And then crank it all in. Yeah. What's weekends like? Same. Same only
0: I, uh, The weekends are the same, only you take the office out of the equation. Okay. So I just don't go into our actual office on Saturdays and Sundays most of the time. Sometimes I'll go in on a Saturday.
1: What is, um, for actors and models that don't know, I mean mostly for actors, the process of... Yeah, I know in Los Angeles there's a breakdowns so every morning, like here it is, mm-hmm. you know, the breakdown services, you know, and every, and all the casting directors and agents have to look at everything mm-hmm. and, and just start getting to work. Yeah. Like, I'm spinning these people, I'm mm-hmm. spinning this, let me look at the breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it like up in the, the Pacific Northwest? It's a little bit
0: different. You know, we don't have to get up at 5 o'clock to check the Breakdown Express feeds for three hours in the morning. Um We do still get breakdowns. Uh, We just don't get them the same way. We don't get them all in the morning, first thing, start the day. I can get a breakdown for Grimm at 3 o'clock in the afternoon with a submission deadline of 5 o'clock. And then have a first call schedule for the next day, come out 7, 8 o'clock at night. Do you... um
1: most of the jobs that you, you look that you have to work on, are, are they through a submission process or has there been any like, circumstance you've got to hustle for something where are like, wait a minute, a minute oh, it's I, a, hear, it's, I hear something. It's like,
0: everything in between. It really is. I mean, Scott, you know yeah, better yeah. than anybody else. I oh. Mean, oh, wait, real quick. What is the password for your Wi-Fi? Now?
1: I love it. <laughs> Pedophile. Fantastic, yeah. <The> test, <laughs> yeah <so. laughs> awesome.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, Scott, like I say, you know better than anybody else. Sometimes it's a last minute audition, sometimes you have a few days lead in, um, and then other times it's just, Scott, can you be here at this time, or other times um, I'm able to just get you direct booked, and that's always the goal, try and get you as many direct bookings as I possibly can, you know, skip the audition, skip the callback, just have the tools that I need, and this is why I'm so tough on my actors when it comes to getting me marketing materials. yeah. Because I want to try and get you as many direct bookings as I can. So yeah, if yeah. I have an actor like Scott McMahon. Me. You. <laughs> um, I mean, I have every piece of marketing material I could possibly imagine. And that's why I'm able to get you so many direct bookings. Because I can just pitch you to the client. You know, I can send over, you know, your headshot, your resume. I can get links to your work. Um, if we need you to do a real quick taped audition... You know, you can turn those over really, really quick, um, and so it really is. Sometimes it's just a phone call. Um, sometimes it's even handed to us agents on a silver platter. I mean, sometimes a client will just call and say, "Hey, I saw this face on your website. I'd like to hire him half a day for an HP printer job." Or
1: you're like, "Oh, something. cool!" Yeah.
0: And then I, I, that's the easiest part of my job when I can just call you and I didn't really have to do a damn thing. Right, right. So it's few and far between, of course. Now there's also it's. The hustling to, and all the
1: preparation and organization goes into mm-hmm. making sure that um, you've analyzed what the breakdown is, did your best assessment, like our talent, I think mm-hmm. we could uh, submit them for this, or mm-hmm. there might be, like, I'm guessing a lot of breakdown or stuff, the submissions that come in are half information. Where you gotta, like, oh, yeah. gotta yeah, find we had, out, yeah, like, we wait, I need more info, like, what we do got you need? You gotta piece
0: things together. Sometimes, you know, I'm able to put a call into that client and get that information that I need. sometimes I have to just work with what I'm given, so.
1: So, yeah, guessing some stuff. Um, what are the, what, are, what do you think of the, bis- the biggest misnomer that like actors um, have about the agency part of it, like what they might not know? You mean like uh, misconception. Misconceptions, yes.
0: I honestly don't know. And it would be so easy for me to answer that question because I'm a retired actor. I've had seven agents in my lifetime. I honestly can't think of a misconception that they would have. Um, you know, for the lazier actor, which is the actor I generally don't work with, I can imagine a misconception there would be, you know, oh, my 7-year-old black-and-white headshot will work just fine. Um, or, you know, 3 <laughs> o'clock really means 3.07. Or, oh, I forgot to bring my headshot and my resume, but oh well. Um, so I think it's just, I think the misconception would just be that a typical actor, not, I don't want to say a typical actor, but there's a lot of actors out there that are a lot lazier than they think they need to be. They're lazier than they should be, and they don't realize that they need to step it up a little bit.
1: The professional etiquette. The professional etiquette, just the
0: professionalism, uh, really being able to market themselves effectively. And sometimes it's just a matter of being on time and making sure you have all your marketing materials with you. Right. Um, That's I, I guess I would say the big, biggest misconception about agents would be is that we're not magicians. Yeah. Or at least not all of us. Some of us are.
1: Or there's like the, the stereotype of, or the, the old misconception of, um oh, you know, my you know, I don't think my agent likes me, I just not, not submitted me for any of this stuff mm-hmm. and I don't it's not the case at all.
0: It's I think just... it's a lot easier to have that misconception if you're with an agency that has a much larger roster. Um, you know, if if your agency has, you know, five hundred actors and there's twenty five other faces that look just like yours, I think it'd be really easy to feel like that. You know, you, you definitely don't have that trust there. Um, and I can't work like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I get a breakdown, you know, if I have a performer that is within the age parameters or maybe just slightly outside of it and fits the ethnicity required for the role, which in most cases is all ethnicities, um, that person's getting submitted. I'm going to pitch that person. And, and it isn't about, well, it, you know, Tabor got the last one, so I'm going to submit Scott for this one. Or because we have so few numbers... If you're right for it you're getting pitched hands down i mean as a business you know we have to create revenue um and so it's in my best interest to get as many actors booked on as many jobs as i can so politics doesn't play a part or turns doesn't really play a part i just literally want to get as many actors booked on as many jobs as i can that's how we create revenue Um, and i think maybe that's what actors don't realize sometimes is that if you're, if you're at least, and I can't speak for the other agencies, but I can speak for mine. If you're on my board, I'm literally 100% devoted to you. Right, and I can tell that you know you're very
1: selective. You don't take a lot of people on because you you, you're like, I need to only. It's a tough
0: to... agency to get into.
1: Yeah. So I've been, you know, lucky to jump, you know, to stumble onto this one.
0: Obviously. <laughs> yeah, that goes both ways, Scott. Um, <laughs> You know, when I first got your submission, I don't know, what was it, a couple of years ago now, maybe? Yeah, maybe not quite that year and, yeah, a and a half ago. You know, a lot of, uh, when I get a submission, one of three things will happen. Obviously, I'll I immediately, you know, discard it if it's not right. I'll keep it on file. Um, or there'll be the submission where I'll see something there that interests me, but I either don't have room for it or I don't have time to pursue it. Um, I can really only pursue new talent when I'm not focused on my current roster. That's my first and foremost priority. And then there will be the third submission that I receive, I mean, it's 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 rare, but you'll get that one submission where you're, if there's a phone number, you're calling it right away. And that was yours. Yeah. When always- you submitted, I turned, because we're all in swivel screen, so I turned the monitor over to Nina And we both just looked at each other like, holy shit, hopefully this guy hasn't signed somewhere else yet. Um, And I picked up the phone right away. I got you answered right away. You and I talked, got a meeting set up, you know, in no time at all. And it was a no-brainer for me. I could tell just by your resume and your pedigree um, that you were a, a home run. And I just, you have a great look for this market.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I. Um, it's interesting. I submitted to all the agencies in Tampa. Remember town, you telling me and that you were the only guys. I only honestly ones to call back.
0: cannot believe what everyone else was thinking <laughs> when they saw your submission and passed, or didn't pick up the phone immediately no, I didn't and call get any, you. Nothing. You didn't get anything, did you? No. You were the only person to call back. I. And see, I, I consider. I, I think I have vision. <laughs> I, I think I do. I think I'm pretty damn good at what I do, um, and I think I'm really good at people. Um, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to look at your headshot and your resume and not realize that that person's going to book ten jobs this year alone.
1: I had a very good year and, last year, and you for did sure. <laughs> at
0: least ten jobs. Yeah, and, and I knew you would. It didn't come as a surprise. I knew you were going to be on a heater right away, and you were going to stay on that heater for a long time. So, yeah, it was very
1: interesting, and um, you know, I feel very lucky and blessed to be part of the
0: uh, option family for sure goes and, both ways uh, brother i mean we're lucky to have you man oh thank you so it's um and let's be honest i mean again i'm I'm, a, I'm i have a business that needs to create revenue and you create a good amount of revenue for my business as much as i love getting you opportunities as much as i love seeing your face on my tv you know as much as i love helping you make your dreams come true because that's mm-hmm. really what it's all about that goes both ways um,
1: I think that's when we hit, we hit it off when I first met, because it was, like, was kind of like my years in production in the back end, and it was simply like, I get the gig, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm yeah. here to make you money, so if exactly. like, there's any type of audition you need me to go out to, yeah. I'm in it, and I'll do my best, yeah. and bring the professionalism to it, and um, yeah, so it was all that.
0: But you the flip side of that, Scott, is it's also personality-based. Because my roster is so small, and it's so specialized and individualized, I have to have a personal connection with everybody that I represent. And you do. So while on paper, you were a home run, if you were to come in my office and be kind of a dick, or yeah, if yeah, I yeah. could sense ego, or if I could sense any of that, I don't care how good you are, you and I wouldn't have worked together. But right off the bat, I could just tell that you were a good fella. Oh, man. Um, you know, you have personality, you're charming, you're funny, you're personable, you're open, you're honest, you're knowledgeable, you're courteous. You know, you're all of those qualities that we look for in people. Um and so it's not just enough to have a great look and a good resume and a good body of work and a, and a, and a skill set to work with us. You also just have to be a really stand-up person. And I have
1: to say, thank you so much. That was very kind. But You're very welcome. It, uh, collectively, it's true because one the other uh, um, option talent meets each other. Yeah. There is this. It's overwhelming, like just family or the kindness. Yeah. It's the, the kindness. It's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's exhilarating. Yeah. I, I can't. I can't say enough in the audition process of me yeah. meeting like, oh, you're with Option, you're with Option. Oh, yeah, I've seen your headshot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. just from there, the friendships I've built yeah. through a lot of the people I even worked with, I just met through yeah. auditions or at the gatherings at Option.
0: I would challenge anybody to meet any one of our actors or models, and not just admire them and like them and just you know see right away that they're just genuinely good people with good hearts. So.
1: Yeah, it's um. It's been a good year just for that, yeah. and I really enjoyed that process, and and I definitely feel like you know, like no job is too small, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. You My feelings that. were simply um, every opportunity I had, mm-hmm. experience I had it was just some great people, great yeah. experiences, and um, I was like, man. But I also like we talked before that you know it's unusual for someone like myself or anybody to have. Um, Uh, a lot of jobs in one year because this this is the Pacific Northwest and it is
0: a small market and it's a very streaky market yeah you'll have three jobs in one month and then you won't have a single audition for four months and then you'll have five auditions in three weeks and (laughs) book four jobs and then nothing for two months um well you've been pretty consistent um it is very streaky for most right
1: and I have to say even starting off this year I've, I've had some auditions and stuff like that but I do I know at this at that certain point um for instance, I, I think we went into like a um, a Kroger's uh, audition, but yeah, you could just, tell, uh,
0: just last week, or yeah, earlier this week. At a, you know, yeah. it's a,
1: a good time, but I could tell like the, mo- the, the main focus was um, you know it's a, not a cattle call, but they're looking for mm-hmm. a, a different look and who are, you know mm-hmm, they, they mix it up all the time. Yeah. So you get real streaky. You can be yeah. you know part of their their repertoire for a couple like yeah. months and then then you're not. You no, know, that's absolutely
0: true. Yeah, we've got one gal, uh, Darabi. Um, who's she's oh, yeah, booking, yeah. booking a lot of Kroger stuff right now yeah. and Fred Meyer stuff, um, and uh, and I've noticed that as well, just like you, just like Last Anthony year, Tran. Well, yeah. Um, you guys will book, you know, three or four Kroger jobs and then you'll have nothing for a year.
1: It is interesting because this one particular, uh, you could tell, like going in, like, oh, this is all you, about um, it was interaction with a, an infant, like a you know, ten month or eleven year old baby. Yeah. I think, and I realized, okay. They're gonna cast the baby first. Whoever whoever's right. the, the most charming little baby that can work with different, you know, strangers, that's who they're gonna cast first. Yeah. And the, based on the the look and the ethnicity of that character or yeah. that baby, that they're going to then hire. And then the, the they'll adults. find. And there was only
0: three roles on that breakdown. Right. It was a baby, right. uh, a, a girl, a, bo- a boy, a young girl, boy, yeah, boy. And then uh, and then dad. Right. Dad, thirty to forty. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you kind of like... Yeah, they'll cast that one around the baby. Exactly. Likely. I mean, you know, we're, you know, we're not there and we don't know for sure. And it's always a little bit of speculation, but yeah.
1: But you know what? I If I was in their shoes, I'd do the same thing. Oh, yeah, you would. I, you know, I was like, we, you got to make sure that whoever that star kid is, and then we'll build it around them And I think that's know? one
0: of the reasons why you do so well, too, is because of your production background. You can always kind of see things from the production side of it. And I think you book more jobs, you know, maybe than, you know, the actor next to you for that reason.
1: Yeah, and also keeping a level head. You know, after t- even talking to Le- Ted Rooney, you know, the the, the the actor's job is to do your best to be professional, to do your performance for that one or two people in the room, and that's what your job is. Yep. The icing on the cake is if you get the job. That's
0: what I tell actors. You know, it's not your job to book jobs. It's your job to audition. <laughs> and if you get a callback, then your job is the callback. And if you get the job, then your job is the job. Yeah. But it starts with the audition. That's your job is to audition. So,
1: It's true. And I think if you can keep that perspective, it, it helps. Mm-hmm. It's um, And you realize you still have the joy of performing yeah. no matter what it is or whatever the, the, the scenario is and, and taking um, all the lessons learned. But you do meet people and you, you see them all the time. Uh, CMD, that company, you know, um, I, I maybe book one job there, but, I mean, mm-hmm. I see them all the time, and mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's like, you know, maybe down the line I might fit something, a project for them like. Well, and that's how know? CMD
0: works, too. I mean, you know, yes. once you get in there with Alex Dean and Pat Carew, um, you know, you're on the radar forever. You know, and it might be a year until you hear from them again, but that's one of those clients that will yeah. just reach out to me and say, hey, will you check Scott's availability for the 24th?
1: What is the bigger—it's uh, funny— I'm, I, my goal is to eat while you talk. Yeah, I know. So, but I have to ask the question, let you talk, and then me, let yeah. me eat.
0: I'll try and come up with some really long-winded answers for you.
1: Have I already known, like I normally when we do these <laughs> podcasts, like I'll have like both of us are just eating. Well, then that's just the charm of it. I'll help, you know. I'm eating tango. a tater tot. You can't let those. I can't eat those things. They're so sure damn good.
0: Um, for everybody that's listening, Bunk Bar has the greatest tater tots in the world.
1: Some dear, damn good sandwiches too. Yeah, for sure.
0: Oh, they make sandwiches too. Wow! Uh-huh. Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> what is the What's the big
1: picture uh, for you? For or vision do you see for uh-huh. Portland and option and yourself and you know and growing it or you know like personal challenges? I think that? Portland
0: is going to continue to grow. I think we have a really great infrastructure for that growth. Um, our crew runs about four, five, six deep, and that's legitimate crew. You know, and our talent pool is off the charts. You know, anytime you read a study, you know, on the five best cities in America to live in, you know, Portland is always in that top five. And so people for years have been flocking to Portland. Um, Secretaries, judges, plumbers, electricians, police officers, actors are no different. And the fact that we have a couple shows that shoot here hasn't really halted that influx of actors to this market. So we have an overabundance of actors. We have seven legitimate agencies, we have four casting directors, we have an abundance of coaches, and so, in some respect, you know, we're a little bit oversaturated in this market. But that also lends itself to more and more work coming. We have the actors, we have the crew, we have casting, we have tons of great producers, tons of great directors, and so that's my vision for Portland, is that it will continue to grow. I think, that we, I think there's a couple things we have to watch out for, and I've gone on record as saying this before, so I don't hesitate to say it again. I do believe that Portland is a market that celebrates mediocrity, <laughs> um, and I think that's something we have to watch out for. Um, I think that we have to continually be stepping up our game and not just celebrating the fact that somebody made something. You know, it's great. It's great that you made something. But let's not laud it and celebrate it, you know, and applaud it as if it's something great if it's not. Mm -hmm. I think that's one thing that causes us to backpedal a little bit. But I think Portland will continue to grow. I think that we are going to need more incentive money. I think uh, the government's been great. The state of Oregon's been great about raising our incentives. Uh, This last year was six to ten million dollars. But look at markets like North Carolina, Atlanta, Michigan is a fantastic market. And these markets have fantastic incentive programs. And they have a solid infrastructure for it. So I, that's what I see with Portland. I see Portland continuing to grow. Uh, we we can handle it. We can, we can take on another two series. We can handle three more films. Right. Um, and we can handle them all shooting at the same time. So that's my vision for Portland. My vision for option, you know... We've always had one of the smallest rosters in town. I keep a very small roster because I don't... don't, My boards right now are capped at 75 and 75, men and women. And I don't look at my board and say, I represent 75 women. I represent Adrian, and I represent Hannah, and I represent Masa, and I represent Lisa. I represent the individual. And so my goal for option, and this is what we've seen over the last few years uh, of my business, My goal is to keep my roster small, to keep it personable, to keep it community, to keep it more of a boutique agency, but to continually double our sales. And you look at that on paper and you think, well, how on earth is that possible? How can you keep the same roster you've had over the last four years and be doubling your sales every year? How is that happening? And I think it's just our work ethic. I think it's just our hustle, our attention to detail. Um, We're not lazy. We're continually seeking new clients. Um, and, and and I think that's just going to continue. We've already started to see it in 2014. Uh, uh, on-camera sales uh, so far in 2014 are doubled over 2013, January, February of last year. And those were amazing months last year. Yeah. And I'm doing it with the same people. Now, granted, I'm adding a new face here and there. Last year, we added Scott McMahon. <laughs> um, we added Hannah Barefoot. Um, you know, but that also you know fills some gaps with people that moved to other markets. Uh, Jonah Weston moved to New Orleans this year. Mia Allen just moved to New Orleans. Um, We've had a handful of actors recently move to Los Angeles. And so that opens up spots on the roster to bring on a few new faces. We don't have turnover because it is such a tough agency to get into and because we are so selective about who we represent because there has to be so many factors in place. Right. but I occasionally do get an opportunity where I do get to bring on that new face. Um, but that being said, we are committed to keeping the roster pretty darn small, but still continually growing our sales, growing our clients. What um,
1: I, I think everybody, when they like, when we publish this podcast, especially actors in town, they want to probably know like, what, how can I get in, or how can I make a difference of when I make a submission into option? What What are the things that? What are the it things that you need to know? I was just
0: having this. uh, One of our actors, uh, Dan Considine, is uh, actually about to move to Los Angeles. And so I had him in for a meeting just to kind of help arm him for that because I'm a retired actor. Um, I made that move as an actor. Um, And so I've had that experience. And so anytime one of my actors does move out of market, I always like to meet with them and try and help coach them up a little bit on what to expect and how to best present yourself. And now I can do that from the agent's perspective as well. And so Dan and I actually just went through a lot of my submissions, actors that submit to option, and I showed him literally what works and what doesn't work, what I skip over. You know, when I get a submission that has no marketing materials attached to it, um, you know, that's often discarded and disregarded right away. Occasionally, I do get a submission from somebody that will send me an email and just says, hey, I don't know anything about this business. I think it's something I'd like to do. How do I make that happen? I'm more than, that's the email I do return, or that's the phone call I do make. And I consider that setting somebody on the path. You know, here's a list of some great photographers, here's a list of some great coaches, here's some good resources. These are things that you're gonna need to do before it's even time for you to submit yourself to an agency. Um, And I'm happy to have that conversation. Um, But the actor that maybe is a little bit full of themselves or is a little bit self-impressed, that doesn't really put that much effort forth in submitting themselves to an agency, I'm often gonna overlook that actor. That's often going to go, you know, put into a file. Um, What I look for is, you know, a nice introduction. You know, right away I just want to know if you're, you know, a a nice person. I want to know if, you know, you're, you know, you know how to correspond, you know, with with a measure of friendliness. Because that's really important to me. Um, And then I want to assess your marketing materials. Do you have a halfway decent headshot? Do you have a black and white headshot? Or, you know, is your headshot 10 years old? Or is your headshot, you know just not look that good um I don't put as much attention into that because I can see past that see the person but really when it comes to an actor who just wants to submit first of all I recommend submitting to all the agencies just like you did and I recommend to an actor meeting with as many agencies as possible before they decide on who it is they want to sign with one thing I don't tolerate is distrust um you know and, and I'm not burdened with the actor that is continually emailing me, hey, did you submit me for this? Or, or I haven't had an audition in a while, what's going on? I don't get that email because that actor, there's a level of trust there. That actor knows that you know, even if I'm not auditioning right now, it doesn't mean Dennis isn't trying. Right. Um, and so I don't put too much into marketing materials for the new actors, but I do put a little bit. I'd love to see a reel. Um, You know, if there is no reel, maybe a link to uh, something they shot. And if they don't even have that, then put together a minute or two long monologue and then send me a link on that just so I can see that. Um, That's what I look out for. Yeah, yeah. And then I also, you know, is this a person that I already have on my roster? Yeah, that's
1: a big one, people understand. Is
0: this, you know, I don't mind having similar looks. In fact, I think it's necessary. You know, if you're not available for an audition, you know, I need to have somebody... Mm -hmm. who might be right in that role I try not to carry any more than say 3 to 5 of any one type um, because I never want there to be that competition and if I have any more than 3 to 5 of a certain type then I've done a disservice to all those actors Um, but um, so that's one of the things I assess as well is do I have a spot on my roster for this actor Uh, it could be an actor that I think is amazing and it could be an actor that I've been wanting to work with for years um, but if there isn't a spot, there isn't a spot. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I kind of, I kind of figure that when I was submitting, I and, j- and just so
0: you know, I'm purposefully trying to be super long-winded in my answers right now, so, so you I can, can eat, power down I don't some of that about food. It. I can
1: always edit. I
0: normally am not this long-winded.
1: <laughs> no, um, you're not. <laughs> but yeah. Um, well, I have another question that'll that'll help me eat my sandwich more. Mm-hmm. The uh, good. <laughs> so. Let's talk about that. You have so now we have the 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 journey mm-hmm. of an actor trying to get into the agency. So they know yeah. what they're talking about, and you're talking about marketing materials as headshots mm-hmm. and uh, a demo, uh, a reel, yeah. or what you look like on camera. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, if you don't have anything sort of professional jobs you've done before, mm-hmm. just simply a monologue in front of the most basic background
0: i literally have people use their iphones yeah to tape themselves doing something upload it to youtube or vimeo and then email me the link yeah a lot of my actors that i that i'm able to get taped auditions for outside of this market you know they're doing it on their iphones now there's a way to do that you know you don't ever want to do anything half-assed right you know there is a way to adjust the settings and the light and the sound you want to make it look as good as you possibly can be competitive right um but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take a, a $900 camera and a lighting rig, you know. Um, it doesn't take much. It really doesn't. And, you know, if you are the average actor in Portland, chances are you don't have an abundance of resources because you're not making a ton of money as an actor here. Right. And, frankly, it, for most people, it costs more to be an actor in Portland than you make between, you know, your headshots and your classes and your private coaching, you know, for really important auditions. Um and chances are, you're probably putting out a little bit more than you're getting back. Um, and so, you know, I always encourage that actor who maybe doesn't have a lot of money to put towards it. Get competitive. Get really competitive. You only have your iPhone? Cool. Then your challenge is use your iPhone and make the best-sounding, best-looking audition tape you can from an iPhone.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, when you said to me, you are like... Um... Yeah, let's. I like your. I like what I'm seeing. Let's make a meeting. Can you send me a, like a link to your reel? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't had like my stuff is old. When I was younger, my twenties, yeah. so I was like, shit. I gotta put something together this weekend. Yeah. I was fortunate enough that I had the resources, of production. I also mm-hmm. was. Uh, I'm friends with Bryce Fortner, who shoots for uh, Portlandia. Bri- He's Bryce a cinematographer. Does great stuff, yeah. yeah. So I was like, Bryce, will you help me out this weekend?
0: Was he the one that did the spec shoot with yes. you? Yes. He just... What was it? Um, it was like H- a CenturyLink... CenturyLink, uh,
1: that's right. So the, the, the concept was, you know, real simple. It's like, well, how can I show off me? Yeah. Uh, so you can see what it looked like mm-hmm. on camera. Um, and I just came up with a short script with that on my own, which is like someone on the phone in like three, four different scenarios. Yeah. And the gag was, is that it was a spec like commercial for yeah. CenturyLink that right. says, "Your calls, your business." So right. the idea is that he had, you know, I would have all these different conversations, right? Um, and you could tell, like, one Some, was customer service, one was like a, buddy, a in, buddy, like fantasy football, right? Exactly. The other one was like the mom yep. or a parent, like where you can't get a word in, yeah. you know?
0: And it was real simple. Yeah, that was the one over the kitchen sink. I yeah, remember yeah, this yeah. spot. Yeah, So I sent it really to clever. you, and you were like, "That is great." I'm yeah. like,
1: "Oh, cool." So
0: and see, and and I when I saw that. I thought that was an actual CenturyLink spot. I tried to make now, it. That I'm way. not an idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I literally when you told me at our first meeting, <laughs> which is also our only meeting, I It's right. I was right. All I needed for you was to walk through the door and not be a complete asshole. <laughs> I needed you to just walk through the door and just be a, a genuinely good guy, and it was a done deal. <laughs> which I could tell as soon as I looked you in the shook your hand and looked you in the eye, I could tell. Thank you. And then you told me that that Century Link was actually just a, a spec thing that you did with a buddy of yours. I couldn't believe it. And that was just I for you. literally. I mean, and was, that was just for us. Yeah, that was exactly. amazing. And see, that's a great example, Scott. You got competitive. Yeah. And now you have a pedigree for production. You have a history in production, so you do have a slight leg up. Right. I mean, anytime you do taped auditions, I can't believe it. <laughs> like that one where you're on vacation with your family in a cabin somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And you made this AT&T taped audition. And I'm talking about front and back end cards and graphics <laughs> on the screen. And it looked like a finished produced spot. And you did this with an iPad and a cabin with your daughters. Right, right. Um, and so you obviously do have a pedigree and a skill set that not everybody does. But that is a great example. I mean, to make that CenturyLink spot <laughs> just as a showpiece for me, you know, and the fact that I looked at it and I thought, oh, wow, I wonder who he booked the Century League. He doesn't have representation. I wonder who he booked this through. I couldn't hey. believe it. Well, there you go. That was a yeah.
1: good. That's a good thing you just mentioned. Get competitive. Get and there competitive.
0: Is. You have to because the thing is, because there is an overabundance of actors in this market, and yeah, we do have a lot of agents. In fact, we have an overabundance of agents as well. Yeah. You have to get competitive. You really, really do, and it's not enough to just kind of half-ass a submission and Hey, I'm you know John Smith, and I'm kind of a big deal, and I used to do some stuff back in the day. That's just gonna fall on deaf ears and blind eyes. Right, right, no,
1: no, and it's um, not only that, but even when I you know the, when I get the opportunity to do the audition and to, to I've enjoyed the opportunity to get to know the casting directors, and it's just been great, you know, and then um, and it's just that. You get used to something, and then you're just not as you know, afraid of it, and you just go and you do your best you can. Yeah,
0: you become familiar with it.
1: And then when you get on the job, as certain jobs I had, I knew that I was going to be working with certain actors, and or I found out, like, oh, I get to work with this person. Yeah. And I then you feel the sort of the competitive pressure to be like, bring your A game, because you don't want to disappoint them. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you've got to be the best you can for them. Absolutely. Um, it's funny, because I had never met Hannah Barefoot before. Yeah. And you, it was near the end of the year last year. After both of us had a great year yep. of getting, booking lots of jobs for option, um, they were like, "Hey, you guys are working together." And it was one of those things. It's like it was probably the, one of the best experiences I've had because yeah. she and I just gelled in terms of as professionals. And was
0: this the uh, big puddle shoot? Yes, it was. Um, your guys's chemistry was off the chart. It was, and it was so
1: much. It was exhilarating. It was like, yeah. and I, and because I, I felt like honestly, I told her I felt the pressure of like, yeah. wait, I I know. I know her pedigree. I know her her reputation in terms mm-hmm. of how well she's done, and yes. like so. I, I don't. I'm coming in here like I'm gonna do my best to not disappoint her and be the best I can for her. Yeah. And uh, and it was. And I love that part of it. I, I was really fortunate that my first booking booking for you was for this job where I was with a, a young kid that were like a father and son thing. And which the, one
0: was that? Uh,
1: it was uh, with. Um, Go Lightly Film Productions or something
0: with Kenneth uh, Luba. Ken Luba, yeah, Ken Luba or Go Luba, Lightly, yeah. yeah, Go Lightly,
1: yeah, yeah. So it was some. It was a. We went in for the audition and they were pairing us up with kids. Mm-hmm. And the best thing about that was that,
0: the one where you guys are walking through the forest. Right. And it was yeah. like
1: kind of a um, a map yep. sort of um, new technology. That, that was the first one, huh? That was the first gig. Right. I now here's the funny thing about that, which is I'm great that that was the first gig, is because I was because I was paired up with these kids. And I saw the one kid that I was working with originally was really having a hard time in the audition process. Mm -hmm. So I let go of all my precon—just me. And I was 100% there for that kid. I was, like, trying to give him the best. Mm -hmm. And because of that, Kenneth Kenneth was like, oh, wait, let's bring this other kid in. And then just because of that experience, I was just like, I'll do that. I'll always do that again for every audition, which is, like, it's not about me. It's, like, I'm going to give 100%. Whatever it is to the reader yeah. or to the other people involved, I really enjoy the auditions where I get to be with somebody else.
0: Well, it lent itself to the role too. You were playing a father. That's what a father does, right?
1: It's true, and yeah. you know, but you can see like how you, as a performer, you you know, you get so wrapped up in your head, yeah. and you know, Ted Rooney talks about that too. It's like yeah. you gotta let it go, and you're just being, so yeah. you're being whatever that thing is. Yeah. Um, are you
0: really listening to your scene partner? Right. Like, are right. you genuinely listening to them? Because if you are, it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, you know, and so this last audition I had for Kroger, you know, um, was fun because this little baby just—the whole point of the role was the dad had to interact with the—to to get the little baby to um, look like he was going to eat or interact or, or play with the toys, you know. And it, it, when you're just there, you realize you're not even—you're out. just there. Like yeah. I am doing my best to. Get the best expressions, and this. I was lucky enough, this little girl was such a doll, yeah. But you know, I had to be genuine in the moment of like whenever she did something adorable to react to it, yeah. And so, those types of lessons or those experiences have been great. And I, and honestly, you know, the acting thing for me has always been just for me personally, Mm -hmm. like, I. I didn't really expect to ever really get work here and there. I was just hoping to meet more people in the industry because I was working at home working for a company in California
0: so I didn't know a lot of people here. So it was You've a- always had this kind of genuine now, I don't want to say surprise, <laughs> but this it's I've never been able to put my finger on it with you, but you know, here you are one of the most competitive people in this market. And you've always had this kind of genuine awe of your success as an actor. <laughs> And I do have one question for you, because when we first met and when I first saw your work, I saw a certain skill set, and yeah. it was actually in that CenturyLink spot. Yeah. Because, you know, it was it was very believable. It was very real. Um, do you feel like in the last year and a half that we've been working together that you've grown as an actor?
1: Do I feel? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God, because, well, I just made this movie The Cube, right? Yeah. And I made that pretty much right before we got, I, you know, I, I signed on with you guys. So... The problem with that movie, because I didn't have a crew, so I would just set the camera up and the, everything off. And everything was just, a
0: locked-off master.
1: Yeah, and I knew production-wise like um, what I was going to get, like what, what I was getting. Like I knew if the lighting was off, or right. a siren go by, or the refrigerator go on, or mm-hmm. the microphone was too far away. I knew that the actors were speaking too soft. But the reality is they were... Doing what they needed to do in the moment and being real, Mm -hmm. and so a lot of my acting, unfortunately, in that movie was like I was like talking louder than I should just because I was trying to get the practice up. So I did my best to edit around it.
0: Well, you weren't just focused on the character. Oh yeah, you you were also. You were thinking about the details and the directing and the lighting and the marketing and and everything else. So because
1: of that. just getting, to me, I felt like I got to get like all these cobwebs off. I hadn't done, I hadn't acted yeah. since I was uh, younger and I was, I had, you know, I had my time in LA and, and uh, had those experiences as well. And, but as the more, the consistency got through, I got more consistent with the, uh, and comfortable with the auditioning process and then just n- and not have to worry about any of that other stuff. And I can yeah. just focus being the best I can in that moment. And then on top of that, I started taking these classes with Michael Taylor Fontaine yeah. over here casting Alice North West. And it was great. Yeah. It re- then that really turned turned the corner. So it's funny. I, just, I feel like um, I've gotten better as an actor, but um, but the way the market goes, yeah. I haven't booked anything yet. So yeah. It's like <laughs> it's so funny. Because I look yeah. back, I go, man, I could have done a lot better job. Right, exactly. before.
0: <laughs> and I think you've also just had some really great. You know, let's let's take that Big Puddle Films project you did. You know, yeah, it's but. it's no secret that Jason Satterland is an actor's director. And so here you are for a couple days, you know, working directly with Jason, who's going to, regardless of whether or not he's trying to, he's going to educate you. Inadvertently, however, indirectly, you know, and then you're also working with Hannah. And Mm -hmm. so you're working with a fine actor, like a great, seasoned, trained, dedicated, you know, compassionate scene partner. So you're going to grow in that regard. And so here you do. You spend two days on set with these two, and you're just going to naturally grow as an actor just from that experience.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I felt exactly the same way. I was just like, oh, wow, this is amazing. You so. know, the,
0: I, you know, I've got, I always get such great feedback on you. And the finished product tells, you know, the tale. Oh, you know, nice. people say wonderful things about you and how great you were. And then we see the spot, and we know, obviously, they weren't full of shit. You were great. <laughs> but the feedback I got from both Jason and Hannah was the same. And that, well, Jason was blown away by the chemistry you guys had, and they both said the same thing: that the thing they appreciated about working with you those two days the most was that you kept everybody, you kept everything light. You kept everybody <laughs> laughing. You kept everybody joking around, um, or you know, you'd have a really heavy scene, and then after the scene, you know, you just have this way of kind of lightening up the mood and lightening up the room, and and you do have a light about you. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really great feedback to get, that your work was fantastic and the chemistry was off the charts, but that just as a human being on the set, you were just, you were light and you were fun and you were, you know, you were a prankster and you were making people laugh and you were goofing <laughs> off and and that's the best.
1: It's, it's too fun not to, and I thank you right? so much, you know, and I, you know, that's why people get involved with this stuff. I mean, it's, I don't, it doesn't come from a place of pain for me, it becomes comes from a place of joy, and, you know, maybe what it is I had, you know, some friends or, you know, in the past few years, like everybody does, like people will pass away mm-hmm. and you have your reflection of life and you're like, why is it that this wonderful person has passed away? You know? And then the, what does that mean to us as survivors? Right. The thing is, it's like you live life and like, uh, and, and not to say not a day goes by, I think about some of these, these friends that have, uh, have passed away that I think like. You know, they would, lo- they would want you to have fun or live life and enjoy this way. And a lot of, honestly, getting back to the acting thing up here, you know, when I told my wife and stuff like that, it was just simply, like, a, it was like a fuck it moment. Right. Like, I have yeah. no other reason other than I am just want to do it for myself. Yeah. And nothing, I have nothing to prove to anybody else. I'm a, I'm a dad. I'm a, I'm older now. It's like, I'm not trying to... You're not desperate
0: um, and you don't need it. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that makes you so effective. (laughs) Really. I mean, think about it. You know, desperation is a stinky cologne. Yeah. And there's a lot of it here in this market.
1: Here's the interesting thing acting wise, um, I am there 100% for you guys in terms of like the job comes in, I'll do my best to be there and and be as competitive and make it happen to earn some money, earn some bread. Yeah. Um, I actually don't like. um, Get involved with a lot of local, like independent stuff or mm-hmm. stuff like that because um, I have my own projects I'm working on yeah. that I find the creative fulfillment that way. Yeah. But I also know that th- th- those types of things un- un- sometimes can lead to um, a time suck. That they could, can. They they could could lead me away from opportunities yeah. of, of of getting paid for you know, yeah. whatever, Hewlett Packard job or something like that. But you know, those are decisions well, I make because my time is limited. You yeah,
0: know? no, I, I definitely understand that. And, you know, while we are a business and we definitely need to create revenue, you know, we have a full-time staff of eight, so, yeah. you know, we need to make some money. At the same time, you know, I have, I have two different kinds of actors. You know, I, I have actor A, and that actor has a family and children and a mortgage and a career, and they're happy to get their few auditions whenever they come but they're also just really content in their life here in the pacific northwest you know they don't really need it that bad they love getting an audition every now and again you know they love the occasional booking and then i have you know the flip side of that is i also have actors that are just you know they want it night and day they always want to be immersed in it they always want to be working and you know for that actor i encourage it I encourage him to do stuff that's off the radar. I encourage him to do stuff that maybe doesn't come across the agent's desk. I encourage him to do their buddy's project, you know, their short film this weekend. Or maybe a Facebook casting that they saw. Um, I'm always there as support. You know, if they ever want to run something by me or ask me, is this something do you think is worthwhile? Is this something you think I should do? Does this person come with baggage? Is this a red flag situation? I'm happy to advise. In fact, that's my job to advise. But I also encourage that actor as well, because this is a small and streaky market. If, if you want to be busy all the time, <laughs> yeah. you cannot rely on your agent to do it. Um, and so I honestly don't mind that. And while sometimes it does suck up availability, and sometimes it does take them out of the running on certain projects, and might pay a little bit more, not everything is about the money. Right. I'm and- also just really... I also just really want my actors doing really good work and good projects. Sometimes that means no money. Sometimes I get a breakdown and there's no money. Uh, Alexander Blatt and uh, Greg James mm-hmm. just did this fantastic book trailer. And it looks great. And it sounds great. And it's from a client that I think is really going to do some things at some point. And they sent me a breakdown and they you know, said, these are the roles we're looking for. We don't have any money. <laughs> And so I looked at that client and I did my due diligence. I checked out their background. I checked out some of the stuff that they have done. Are they competent? You know, do they know how to shoot? Do they know how to light? Do they know how to sound this? Um, and I invested in that client. I thought to myself, you know, this is a client that could be a CMD or an at-large or a funnel box someday. Right. Um, and, um, <clears throat> and so then what I did is I presented that to some actors. And I said, "Hey, this is a client that I'm investing in," and I presented it actually to all of you. I sent it out. I sent this blast out to the whole roster, and I just said, "You know, there's no money in this, but I think this client could really do great things, and this project could be really, really cool. Minimal time commitment, a day or two. Um, if this is something that interests you, you know, let's move forward on it." And um, I had two actors get booked on that, and the gamble was that, yeah, it ate a couple days of their time. It didn't pay anything. But the finished product is gorgeous and it's a, a showpiece for these two actors especially Alexandra oh cool who is one of hands down the most underrated actors in this town um, and Ooh. yeah I mean it's just it's a really quality piece
1: I, I, I totally agree with you in that sense because you do something like those actors do something like that and if the next gig comes around mm-hmm. and it's paying time they know who who, exactly. who they can work with not
0: only that it's half their real. Yeah. That's I mean, true. it's four solid minutes of great real footage.
1: That's true. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of stuff that's being produced, like locally or yep. independently, that just gets spread um, socially. Yeah. That you see those faces all the time. Like yeah. Those actors are always working in those yeah. things. You know, I I have yet to be part of that sort of, um, that crew per se, but it's I enjoy when I get a chance to meet them because mm-hmm. I've seen their body work. And uh, but you never know. You're right. So that's outside you, of the agency. Together. I
0: think you would do that a lot more if you weren't already involved yourself. Yes. If you weren't involved in production or marketing or, you know, even just this. Oh you yeah. Know, the podcast is... that you do. <laughs> you know, you just you're always doing something. Right. Um, and you're doing your own stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I'm I can't wait for you to do your next film. <laughs> Literally.
1: That's uh well the next one I'm making I'm not even in it I'm just I'm making it but yeah. um, but um, the one after that which I hope to that's the the fun part you know yeah. to make it bigger I'm trying to make each one a little bigger 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 yeah. um, there is a goal end goal in mine eventually just not to die before that you know
0: right <laughs> stay alive as long as you can
1: so funny but let me ask you um, as I take finish this sandwich here oh, I think okay. another great. Thing that uh, actors would probably want to know is what is your advice for those who are going to make the transition and they want to get down to Los Angeles what should they expect from going to like a small market to the market
0: dramatic pause as I take another drink of my beer swallow this tater tot they're delicious <laughs> um, that's a really good question you know I think one of the things you can one of the biggest mistakes you can make is making that move too soon LA, and let's just use LA as an example. LA is the most competitive market in the world. Yes, the studio system is dying. I think even Scorsese just said after Wolf of Wall Street he's not shooting on film anymore. Literally, I think I cried myself to sleep that night. You know, the market is changing. There's runaway production in Los Angeles. Absolutely, Michigan, North Carolina, Atlanta. Look at these secondary markets that are popping up. That are shooting, you know, four TV shows and seven movies in a year. But L.A. is still it. That's still the game. 90% of all television is shot in Los Angeles. Um, You know, it's still the single most competitive market in the world. And going before you're truly ready, unless you have a family that's independently wealthy, (laughs) unless you just do not have to worry about money or anything, and you can get your seasoning down there, great. Great go for it. Absolutely. Some of the best coaches, producers, directors, casting directors, they're all in Los Angeles.
1: Some great theater there, too. Great theater. About. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Great improv. Um, but going before you're ready, you know, you want to go down, you know, with some good training, some good preparation, a good reel. Because what people don't realize you get down there and you think, well, the first thing I'm going to do is just get an agent. Well, it might take you three fucking years to get an agent. And that's just to get an agent. Yeah. Then get yourself a manager. And depending on what your representation is, you might also have to get a commercial agent. You know, you'll have to get a theatrical agent, a commercial agent. If you're lucky, maybe you get signed on with an agency that's a full service agency and they have a commercial and theatrical division and they're running you in both. Right. But chances are you're going to have to get two agents and a manager at some point.
1: Now, how many people have been successful getting an agent before they even get down there?
0: Highly unlikely. Yeah. That's another mistake a lot of actors make. And I guarantee you, about 97% of all actors that submit to an agency before they move there get the same response. (laughs) Reach out to us when you move down here. Um, You know, secondary markets like Portland are a little bit different. You know, I'll get a submission occasionally from somebody who's moving here from another market, and I think they're going to do really well. And so I'll set up a meeting for when they get into town. I don't do it a lot, but I do it sometimes. In L.A., that almost never happens. You're going to get the same response. Reach out when you move down here. Um, Now, I still encourage actors to reach out just before they move down. Yeah. Just to to make, you know, touchdown, see if you get any response from any of the agencies. You know, ones that have responded to you, you know, they're the first ones on your hit list when you actually do move down there. If you submit to 30 agencies, and seven of those agencies give you a response of some sort, other than, no, thank you, we're not interested, and (laughs) those are the first seven agencies that you want to reach out to when you move to Los Angeles. Those are the first ones. Um, You know, you also have to be careful about who you sign with. Um, I worked in casting in Los Angeles for a lot of years. Yeah. And I think a common misconception is that all agencies get their submissions looked at by casting. There are a lot of agencies and agents in LA that send in blind submissions. They're junk submissions. They're they're sending them in, but the casting director's discarding them as soon as they receive them. Um, it wasn't uncommon for me to see that um, from the casting director that I worked for um, to get a submission from an agency and not even open it. And that was back in the day, of course, when they were physical submissions and not digital right. submissions. But they see who, what agency it's from, and automatically it goes in the recycle bin um, without even opening it and looking at it. So you also have to be careful who you sign with. Am I signing with an agent that actually has reached to casting? Um, so,
1: would you um, recommend maybe an actor to try to make um, connections with the casting, some of the casting directors, and not the, but maybe their assistants, to just ask those questions? Like, can you maybe is there a list of like agencies that may be on sort of the yeah a red flag list you might get I a
0: response to. and it never hurts to ask
1: especially if you like assistance yeah like exactly
0: yeah. it really doesn't hurt to ask and it's a great question to ask, and it's a good thing to find out um but don't expect a response on it
1: so that concludes my interview with Dennis Troutman my agent up here in Portland Oregon He's with Option Talent and uh, we actually went on and talked for like maybe another hour about other stuff that doesn't necessarily need to be in the uh, podcast. I think we were just talking about movies and so on. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you found it helpful for any market that you might be in as an actor um, or as a filmmaker or anybody who had interest in what a agent does and what kind of work they have to uh, deal with and what kind of actors they have to deal with and uh, the joys and trials of that. Anyhow, if you stayed around this long to listen to this entire episode, you should treat yourself to a gift. Just go to freegearguide.com and get your free resource guide of all this equipment I use to make a feature film with no crew. Again, that is freegearguide.com. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode and again... Come back for more here at the Film Trooper Podcast.